absolute heartbreaking situation for her father burying his child. You know, a, a black girl being buried. You know, where's BLM? Where's Al Sharpton? Where's the statement from the White House? Where's President Harris? Where's co-president Biden? We don't even get circle backs from their idiot press secretary. Not a word about this. And the girl in the pink jumpsuit that no one even knows her name, she was going to be the 442nd child stabbed to death in this year alone. Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. So glad that you guys are listening. I really, truly am going to try to keep this show short. It's something that I've tried many times and fail. With that, I'm going to jump right in. It's just me today. I've got just two stories for you guys, uh, three morons tweeting about it, and I'm not even going to include LeBron James on the list of idiots tweeting about this stuff. Um, But the first one is actually not something that's super duper popular, especially here in the state. So maybe Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you don't. I know it's been covered on at least one other um, show, podcast type deal. Uh, but up in Canada, the the government, at least in Ontario, Canada, is making some pretty uh, interesting decisions. Some definitely some red flag type stuff. So I'm gonna play this clip from CPACs in Ontario, Canada. Uh, that's just a couple of their legislators talking about. And this kind of just gives away the whole game, but talking about temporarily enhancing their police powers. So let's take a listen to that. We have implemented the strictest measures in all of North America. And the difficult truth is every public health measure we have left comes with a massive cost to people and their lives. But we have never shied away from doing what's necessary. We have made the deliberate decision to temporarily enhance police officers' authority for the duration of the stay-at-home order. Moving forward, police will have the authority to require any individual who is not in a place of residence to first provide their purpose for not being at home and provide their home address. Police will also have the authority to stop a vehicle to inquire about an individual's reason for leaving their residence. And our inspectors will also be ensuring that those who absolutely must come to work are strictly following the public health measures. For our employers and employees, take note. 
This is your last warning. If someone sees um, uh, their neighbors uh, breaking these, these new regulations um, and, and having a party in their yard, that sort of thing, should, should people call police on their neighbors? In terms of people calling um, to snitch, to inform, um, look, we all have a personal responsibility. If it means saving lives, then I think we have to think about what your social responsibilities are as an individual to make sure that you don't empower other people and invite a whole bunch of individuals to your home. All right, so we all have a chance to, you know, you could pause it, digest, whatever. Lots of stuff in there that was just ludicrous. Number one, they've already acknowledged that they have implemented the strictest, most ridiculous protocols in North America. And frankly, you know, I haven't been caring much about Canada since I was born. Um, But even during the whole COVID-19 situation, all of 2020 and so far 2021, I haven't really cared a lot about what's been going on in Canada. I've watched some of their funny uh, law enforcement videos that have come out and watched some of their funny health inspectors getting owned videos. Um, But apparently things are pretty rough up there. When I was kind of jotting down the notes for the show, my wife was saying that a friend of hers, um, her aunt or one of her relatives uh, and their family lives up there. And apparently they literally have not left their home in a year. Um, they're, they're doing the lockdown thing for real. You know, here in the States, we hear that there's lockdowns. It's terrible, blah, blah, blah. You know, I live in Virginia, which I don't know where we fall uh, in the COVID craziness. But honestly, if it weren't for masks and these face shields and, and vaccine commercials and all the wokeness on TV, um, honestly, you couldn't tell if if we weren't allowed to wear a mask, just pretend that it was like opposite day and you were not allowed to wear a mask under any circumstance. You couldn't tell that there was a worldwide pandemic. There's no bodies in the streets. People aren't coughing up lungs and killing over dead. Um, it's, it's just it's not a black plague type of situation. Um, Yeah, but in Canada, they are really, truly locked down. Um, So one, they've already said that they have the strictest protocols implemented, and they, they say it time and time again, these are temporary increases in law enforcement power. Guys, just like affirmative action was a temporary thing. No, it's not. That's never going away. And I suspect that what they're doing with these law enforcement enhancements is never going away. But what are the enhancements really? What are these new broadened powers? Well, they're not really new in terms of governments doing stuff. Uh, You can pick a fascist regime out of a hat and their police and their military and police were kind of indistinguishable, but their police forces were allowed to stop anyone anywhere and demand that they identify themselves, demand that they state the reason for their business. What are you doing? Why are you out of your home? Where are you going? Where is your home? Where do you live? You know, we we kind of make fun of the Nazis all the time, but that show me your papers, the reason that show me your papers should make your skin crawl is because it's 
basic human rights, human dignity. They're saying you do not have any type of free will, agency, autonomy. You are property of the state. They're saying to these Canadians, you guys aren't even citizens. You're property of the state. We can control you. You can't just leave your home. You'll be stopped. This is the reason for the stop. If you're just walking outside, the police are going to come. They're going to document all your information. And what they didn't say in the video, but you can just go online and look it up, is you're going to jail. They're not giving out fines. Guys, that last legislator, legislator said it. We're not giving out any more warnings. He said this. He said to businesses that think that they're going to stay open, this is your last warning. Holy crap, Canada. You guys are absolutely insane. And, you know, Dave Rubin said it best on his show when he was talking about this. I bet they wish they had a Second Amendment now. I bet they really do. So I'm anxious to see, you know, when COVID, like, mark my words, flag this episode, save it, bookmark whatever. These powers will never be undone guaranteed unless there's really serious civil pushback pressure uh, on the government these powers will never be undone this is the road to tyranny it's not new canada you guys didn't think of this you know you can order a copy of hitler's greatest hits mein kampf which is still available on amazon bestseller guys not dr seuss that's too radical but you can buy hitler's book uh, and learn how to radicalize your police force, which apparently uh, Canadian legislators are taking up as some light reading. Uh, all right, so it's time for some tweets. Honestly, I'm sure that everyone that listens to the show is aware, but just in case you live under some type of rock, you know, if I'm breaking this news for you, then I guess good for me. Um, but there was a police shooting, and these details don't matter to me, and they don't matter to my average listener, but it was a white police officer shooting a black teenage girl. Uh, not unarmed, a, a very obviously armed black teenage girl. Um, of course, talking about Micaiah Bryant. Um, so everyone knows about this. Micaiah Bryant comes out of her house. She's got a huge chef knife. She says, I'm going to effing stab you, B pushes a girl down. It looks like in the video she stabs the first girl, turns to this girl that's wearing a now famous pink tracksuit um, and just lunges at her, wheels her arm all the way back and is going to stab her and she gets shot. I don't know how many times I hear four gunshots in the video, um, but she shot and killed uh, right there whilst committing a, a dangerous felony. Um, everyone with half a brain or less uh, knows that this, if the police officer hadn't intervened, uh, that this girl would be a victim. This girl would have gotten stabbed. And when you look at the size of the knife uh, and you look at the video, look at the behavior of Micaiah in her last moments, a reasonable person would think that she was about to commit a murder, that this girl was about to be brutally mutilated. But that didn't stop some of our finest citizens from taking to Twitter, telling us how brilliant they are and some 
policy reforms that they would uh, kind of lay at our feet if they had. This stuff is absolutely insane. But we're going to start out with Matthew Simmons at Matt Simmons. Uh, Replying to Stephen Crowder, of course, he says she was the one who called the police, had a knife to defend herself, yet they shot her without hesitation. If cops can apprehend a mass shooter safely, how come they can't de-escalate a situation with teenagers? Well, good sir, Matthew Simmons, you are moron number one. Um, Of course, King James is up there. Of course, he's the top dog, just like he is in basketball. He's he's, uh, tweet moron number one on the Micaiah Bryant front. Uh, But here on this podcast, uh, that number one slot, actually, no, I'll say the number three slot. Uh, goes to you because number one is definitely going to be the next guy and we're going to do those intentionally out of order Um, but it doesn't matter who called the police first off this girl was not defending herself okay when you go inside did did either of the girls I'm assuming that she was fighting with at least two girls the girl that she knocked down and then the girl that she apparently she just turned around and just lunges at and tries to stab this girl in the pink jumpsuit so I'm going to assume that the fight was between at least those three girls, even though, you know, there's the guy in the gray shirt who's trying to punt the girl's head off, just kicking the crap out of the girl who's on the ground, which is interesting. You know, as a man, I find it deeply disturbing and and very cowardly for an adult male to be kicking a teenage girl in the face while she's on the ground. But, you know, what do I know about manliness? Uh, defending herself. So there's a point in conflict if you read even the most basic law enforcement book, the most basic legal book about self-defense, there's a point in a conflict where the aggressed becomes the aggressor, okay? If you're fighting with someone and and there's a natural pause and that person says, you know what, I'm not going to continue on this. They turn around and start walking away and you hit them in the back of the head with a brick. You can't claim self-defense. All right. The threat was over. They said they were done. They walked away. You, If you go into your house and come out with a chef knife and everyone's just kind of standing on the sidewalk, you can't just run out and start stabbing people and say this is self-defense because we were fighting before. That's not how that works. Also... They pose no threat to you. They've got hands and feet, and you come out with a huge knife. That That's absolutely absurd. And I'm so tired of hearing this if cops can apprehend a mass shooter. And we'll talk about that a little bit later with this last uh, person's tweet. Um, but basically, cops can apprehend anyone who de-escalates and complies with the arrest that they're exacting. You know, if you turn around, walk backwards towards me, get on your knees, put your forehead on the ground, turn your palms to the sky, arms out to the side. Yeah, you're going to get handcuffed, put in a car and go to jail. You're not going to get shot. When's the last time someone was completely compliant and the police just showed up and said, you're under arrest. Just kidding. Boom, you're dead. That that doesn't happen. Did it happen in the past? Sure. Sure. I'll seed that. Did it happen in Jim Crow era? Absolutely. Does it happen now? Of course not. Of course not. That's not reality. Uh, But Matthew Simmons doesn't live in reality. All right. So the number two guy and, you know, it's, it's hard. Number one, he wants you to know 
that he goes by he, him. It, it's in his Twitter name, so it's very important. I hope I don't get a get canceled for not getting this right. He appears to be a, a guy. Preston Mitchum. Preston. Preston. Huge following. Preston tweets, there's no such thing as a just police shooting. Now, in Preston's profile picture, he's got the the thinking man face going on. He's got his arm bent and his his hand, you know, kind of in a fist under his chin with his thumb, you know, kind of cradling his chin. He's, he's got that classic thinking man's face. And I can't help but wonder if he's thinking about how absurd this tweet is. There is no such thing as a just police shooting. So, Preston, you're advocating, you're going to say that you're not, but you're advocating for the disarmament of police. Because if police can't justifiably shoot anyone, why should they be armed? You know, that's just a huge waste of money, training, bullets, firearms, all that stuff. We'd save hundreds of millions, you know, disarm the police. And he's not going to come out and say that's what he's... He's saying, but that's the messaging here. If there's no such thing as a just police shooting, then police shouldn't have firearms. I'm wondering, Preston, you know, I, I don't know him. I don't know if he's a single guy, married. I don't know if he's got wife, kids, husband, whatever. I don't know anything about him. But let's, you know, he's, he's well-dressed. He, you know, good grammar. He seems pretty articulate. I'm going to assume... Uh, that Mr. Mitchum is is a successful, you know, black guy here in America where most successful black people are, which is a fact. I'm going to just, in my mind, say that he's married, he's got two kids, you know, a boy, a girl. He's got that picture-perfect, you know, American dream family, big house, nice cars, all that stuff. And I'm wondering if in the middle of the night, Someone breaks into Preston's home, gathers him, his wife, his son, and his daughter into a room and just shoots one. Just pick one at random. Not Preston. Just pick one at random. Boom. We'll say one of the kids. Shoots one of the kids dead. Neighbors call the police. They hear the gunshots. The police get in. Exigent circumstance. They go in immediately when they're there. Boom. They hear another gunshot. We'll say this is Preston's wife. Boom. Shot. One child dead, spouse dead. Police get to the room. They see the gunman. They see Preston and the one remaining child who's alive. What does he want them to do in that moment? That's my question. One, he doesn't want them to have guns. But let's assume that this isn't Preston's world. This is real life where cops have guns. What does he want them to do in that moment? He's got one kid left and himself staring down the barrel because he's advocating for the cops to just sit there and watch because there's no such thing as a just police shooting. Police should never shoot anyone. That's Absolutely insane. All right, Preston, you are moron number. Well, really, you're moron number one, 
but we put you in the two slot because I want to talk about this uh, uh, this next lady a little bit longer. All right, so uh, what is her name? Let's pull it up. Bree Newsom. So Bree Newsom put out some tweets, guys. She's got a decent following, almost four hundred and seventy thousand followers. Bree. I almost want to say famously tweets, you know, this thing, when I looked at it, and this was a couple of days ago, it had 15,000 kind of interactions with it. So it's probably well over that now. But Brie Newsom tweets, teenagers have been having fights, including fights involving knives for eons. We do not need police to address these situations by showing up to the scene and using a weapon against one of the teenagers. Y'all need help. I mean that sincerely. I'm wondering if Bree Newsom is mentally ill. I mean that sincerely. There's nothing normal about kids, teens, adults, geriatrics. There's nothing normal about people fighting with knives. But also, you know, this isn't an episode, this isn't West Side Story or an episode of, you know, a remake of Romeo and Juliet or something. This is real life where if you're fighting with knives, someone's likely going to die. That's what happened. But also, that's not what happened here. This wasn't a knife fight. A sword fight, if you think about it, is two people that have swords. A gun fight is two people that have guns. A knife fight is two people that have knives. When someone runs into the house, gets a knife, and comes outside and tries to stab you in the face, that's called attempted murder. That's not a knife fight. And I know that Miss Newsom knows this. But it's her job. She's a liberal activist. She's a black activist. She's a female activist. It's her job to push the party's dogma no matter what. And it makes you say incredibly stupid crap like there's no such thing as a justifiable shooting. A girl coming out of the house with a knife trying to stab people on the street is self-defense. Teenagers have been having knife fights forever. That's not a police matter. Just let them settle it on the street. You are insane. She's insane. She goes on to say people are really arguing that because one teen might have gotten stabbed otherwise, it was better that the police shot and killed another teen. How does this make any sense outside of racism? Oh, I'm so glad we were three tweets in and, and no one had said it yet. So there it is. This is all because of racism and the adultification and dehumanization of black girls. How does this make any sense outside of racism, adultification, and dehumanization of black girls? Because when the police call went in, the person on the phone said, there's a black girl out here trying to stab other black girls. And the cop said, yes, I'm going to drive and get to shoot a black girl. Oh, wait, that didn't happen. You know this stuff after the fact. But let's talk about how normal this is, all right? Because all, all of this stuff doesn't make any sense. So UCR, FBI's Uniform Crime Report, 
says, uh, and, and there's some controversy back and forth between four times as many and five times as many. We'll take the conservative number, all right? Um, I'm, I'm taking this as 2019 numbers. I don't think 2020's come out yet, but four times as many knife killings compared to rifle killings in the United States. All right. Now, keep in mind that the black rifle is the scariest thing on Earth. I think the only thing scarier than COVID is the AR-15 or 14 or 12 or, you know, whatever leftist is butchering basic firearm nomenclature on the news. But apparently the scariest thing known to man is a rifle. Yet four times as many people are killed with knives than rifles, but there is no, you know, there is no defund pampered chef or defund OXO, defund knife manufacturers. There is no knife reform, regulate knives, background checks for knives, universal background checks for knives, close the grocery store loophole for knives. You know, I can actually just give someone a knife, don't have to give them a background check. There's no talk of this. Instead, we're hearing from Bree Newsom that knife fights are totally normal, not a police matter. Four times as many deaths. Now, here's the thing with Bree. I actually have a little bit of respect for her for a very surprising reason. So people, you might remember her. She was this, the subject of news back in 2015 because she scaled a flagpole in South Carolina at the State House to take down the Confederate flag that used to hang in the State Houses in South Carolina, um, which is gone. You know, her, her activism was fruitful. And while I disagree and think that all of this talk about the flag, you know, the uh, that uh, Confederate, you know, when Dixie, whatever you want to call it, flag and how oppressive it is. While I think all of that is bull crap, you know, as a black guy, I don't give a crap about that flag. If I see it, if I don't see it, it doesn't affect my mood. It doesn't affect my ability to do my job, to make good choices. You know, a, this random piece of cloth or whatever that is still around because after the Civil War, for the first time in history, like a bunch of idiots, we let the losers craft a bunch of the narrative and the historical narrative that came out of the war and keep their crap, keep their land, not throw them all in jail and keep their flag. That's why it's here, because of that stupid idea. But anyway, they didn't ask me and I wasn't around. So she scales this thing, which is obviously illegal, um, gets the flag down. But here's the thing. Two things. One in a time where people are shredding flags, peeing on flags, defacing flags, shredding them in the streets, setting them on fire, dancing on them, she skips. She did more work than most black people are willing to do, let's be honest, and scaled this thing and got the flag. And you know what she did? She didn't give a speech. She actually clipped it to herself, knowing that flags aren't supposed to touch the ground and climbed back down with it. So number one, she has enough respect for the fact that it's a flag not to just set it on fire, cut it up, or throw it off of the top of a 30-foot flagpole. She clips it to a carabiner, which is clipped to herself, and climbs down with it so that it can be secured and put away properly. I have a lot of respect for that. 
Also, there are police down there telling her, get down, get off the pole. You know, this is an unlawful trespass. You're going to jail. This is it, right? So when she's coming down and she's within earshot of them, she tells them, I'm prepared to be arrested. She's clear. She's calm. She's articulate. She knows that she broke the law. She planned this event. There were cues. There were signals for when the scaling of the flagpole should start. She even received training from organizations that specialize in scaling large trees. You know, this was a planned event. She knew she was going to be arrested. And she acted responsibly. She let the law enforcement there and everybody there know that she wasn't a threat to herself or others and she was completely compliant so much so that they didn't go hands-on with her when she got down to the bottom there's this fence with spikes and stuff around the flagpole they helped her over it and she sat there calmly turned around and put her hands behind her back she did what she was supposed to do she made the decision to break the law for her point. It's political activism. I get it. But she took personal responsibility. She didn't say, y'all can't arrest me. You can't effing do this. F you cops. And, you know, escalate the situation. Before her feet touched the ground, she said that she was prepared to be arrested and she completely complied. And everything was fine. So while she takes the number one spot, because her tweets were absolutely ridiculous. I have so much respect for her that I'm actually going to plug her website so you guys can go and watch the video that I'm talking about. It's brienewsome.com slash activism. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you can watch the video, which is apparently all that she's famous for, but, you know, Democrats fail up. All right, so... Here's my problem with the stabbing. My big problem, I don't, I don't care about the use of force issues that are going on or that people are trying to normalize the fact that teens have knife fight. That's a problem. Specifically, not just teens, but black teens kill each other at an alarming rate. That's a problem. That's something to lean into, to pay attention to. That's what Al Sharpton and Black Lives Matter and President Kamala Harris and co-president Joe Biden should be focused on. But here's my real problem. What does this mean to you as a listener? What does 441, the number 441, mean to you? Probably nothing. What is the name Nyara Givens mean to you? Don't Google it just yet. Nyara Givens, do you know it while you're listening to this? Probably means nothing. 441 at the time of, of uh, Micaiah Bryant's justifiable killing, that was the number of kids under 18 that were stabbed to death in the United States. In what period of time? In the calendar year 2021. So from January 1st of this year until, what, April, was that the 21st? A couple of days ago? 441 kids, 18 and under, stabbed to death. And this girl in the pink jumpsuit was going to be the 442nd. You know who the 441st was? Not even 24 hours before 
Bryant's killing. Nyara Givens, a 13-year-old girl who it doesn't matter to me, but a 13-year-old black girl in Cincinnati, Ohio, not even 24 hours before, was stabbed to death by another 13-year-old black girl. Wow. That sounds eerily familiar. It sounds like the exact same situation that was going down with Micaiah Bryant. But the difference is there was no police officer there. Not on the mainstream media. I learned about it from The Blaze. They published it. But just because local news has an obligation, we're going to listen to local news. It's WLWT News. It looks like Channel 5 for Cincinnati. And we're going to listen to this heartbreaking clip of this girl's father who's burying a 13-year-old while another 13-year-old goes into the criminal justice system. I held her. I watched her as she died. I watched her held her. All I could do was just hold her. And hold her. Devastation, heartache, loss. I tried. I tried to stop the bleeding. So many feelings Maurice Jackson can't escape, and none of us could, after the loss of a child. Cincinnati police say his 13-year-old daughter, Nyara Givens, was stabbed to death by another 13-year-old girl last night during a fight near her home on Top Ridge Place. I was trying my best to protect her and be the father that I could be, you know. I guess I didn't pay attention to all the other stuff that was going on around her. Maurice says his daughter was the second oldest of seven children. He says she helped keep the family together and loved school. Maurice says she was a freshman at Aiken High and went to school with the girl who stabbed her. He says they were on and off friends, but his daughter was being bullied. Community leaders call the scene tragic. A 13-year-old's life stolen this time and a family broken. Just the pain I'm feeling right now is just it's pain. It's very unexplainable. She should be burying me. I should be burying her. So we listen to that. Heartbreaking situation for her father burying his child. You know, a, a black girl being buried. You know, where's BLM? Where's Al Sharpton? Where's the statement from the White House? Where's President Harris? Where is co-president Biden? We don't even get circle backs from their idiot press secretary. Not a word about this. And the girl in the pink jumpsuit that no one even knows her name. She was going to be the 442nd child stabbed to death in this year alone. Knives freaking kill. Four times as many people as big, scary black rifles. So honestly, I I have, there's no ground to give for me on this issue. If I were in either situation, I would have shot the child. I don't care that it's a teenager. They're trying to take someone's life. Here's my question. And especially for, what was Genius's name a minute ago? Preston Mitchum. Same question for you, mister. There's no such thing as a justified police shooting. Same question to you. 
if there were a police officer there with Nyara Givens, what should they have done? And that's a serious question. I know what the party dogma is. I know what the talking point is. I know what the parroting is. But don't we live in a society where we want someone to stand up and do something about that? It doesn't matter that the aggressor is 13 or 16. They are acting so irresponsibly, and it sucks. A lot of blame is because of their parents and and because of their upbringing. I, I will cede that. I agree. The fatherlessness, the lack of leadership, the lack of mentorship, the lack of, of parents that are parenting on purpose, that are present, that are intentionally leading and mentoring, shaping, molding their children, that is partly to blame, but they're in the moment. These teens, these kids are the one making these decisions. They're the ones acting in this aggressive manner, and there isn't time to deal with the problems that preceded. There isn't time. This isn't the musical Hamilton when Hamilton's getting shot and everything stops and we can have a monologue or sing a song. This isn't that. This is act or watch a child be murdered in front of your eyes. And instead of getting medals or giving speeches or anything like that, this officer's life is turned upside down because he had the unfortunate misfortune of being dispatched to a call where he'd have to take the life of a 16-year-old, which sucks. It sucks the most for him, probably. It probably does. It probably sucks more for him than for Micaiah Bryan's parents. It really probably does. Guys, if you like the show, if you like this specific show, this format, then let me know. Uh, reach out to me. Of course, my show is generally interviews, but if you want to hear um, more stuff like this, me kind of um, breaking down news events or or uh, opining on societal issues, um, then go ahead and let me know, you know, rating and reviewing the show, saying that you want to see more of this. Um, definitely like the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed. If, if you just remembered to watch it or listen to it rather and you don't subscribe, you would really be helping me out by subscribing. And if you are subscribed, then like and rate the show. You know, five star ratings, guys. If you're going to go one through three, then give me a good comment with some details about what I can do to better serve you and make the show a better experience. Um, if this is too long for you, then check out my YouTube channel by the same name, The Joe Mobley Show. On YouTube, we've got three to five minute videos for you to consume bite sized things with a lot more humor uh, and and <laughs> an Amaga filled uh, uh, outro reel. Uh, as of late, if you watch any of my newer videos, 
Same thing over there. Check me out on YouTube, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, But the best way to support the show, bar none, is to get off Twitter, get off Facebook, get off all the internet done wrong, and check out the internet done right. That's going to be at locals.com, which is a new platform. It's social media. It's creator-driven, and it's for creators and for consumers alike, um, where we build community and really get to engage with each other. Uh, So check it out. It's a product of the Ruben report uh, team. It's locals.com. My locals is the Joe Mobley show.locals.com. That's where all of my paid subscribers are. Uh, if you want to sign up, you can sign up for free and just uh, get some of my social media content on there. Um, the free subscription on locals also gets you uh, some exclusive interview content and videos that I have available just for subscribers. Uh, but there's also a way that you can support the show financially at that same website, thejoemobleyshow.locals.com. Hit support the show, and you can sign up uh, to be a monthly subscriber starting at $2, but you can pay whatever you'd like over that. Uh, Guys, that is all I got. I really look forward to continuing to do this, uh, to grow as an interviewer, um, as as a podcaster, and just see where this goes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.